the Ticat Audio Network. This is Speaking with the Enemy. All right, it's a big one. The Ticats, the Argonauts, the Eastern Final, a spot in the Grey Cup on the line. And to discuss it, we're going to be speaking with the enemy. And normally I say he's not my enemy, he's my friend. But today he is my enemy, Natea <laughs> J, a radio analyst for the Argos on TSN 1050. Uh, Natea, uh, it's great to see you. First of all, congratulations on the expanded role at TSN 1050. You're doing some Raptors stuff now, too. That's awesome, brother. Congrats. I appreciate it, Louis. I appreciate it. It's, uh, honestly, it's, it's been a lot of fun. I got to live one dream playing pro football now. This is my second part of my dream, you know, watching and covering the pro sports that I love. So I'm excited. I'm, I'm extremely blessed and, and excited to keep rolling. All right, last, like you, man. That's it. Last, that was the last nice thing I'm going to say to you today uh, in this interview. <laughs> um, the Argos, they are a confident bunch, and they should be. They won the East Division, but they've had a lot of time off. How do you feel like that long layoff in between games? You know, it, it was nice to get the bodies ready, but it's been a long time since they hit somebody. How do you feel like they've kind of balanced those two things? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword, right? And on one end, they have a lot of guys that were dinged up and dealing with injuries that they got to rest and are available for this game, right? But then the guys that were playing, they kind of hit a groove, right? The team had uh, been hot of late, especially uh, at home. And you want when you're hot, you don't want to take any time off. You want to keep rolling. You want you just worry about who you play next, right? But in the sport of football, that first round bye is almost like a golden ticket, right? The last, I believe, 12 of 13 teams to reach the, the Great Cup final have have had that first round bye. So it tells you a lot, and the stats go a long way, but that stat was very telling for me that, you know, teams that do get that rest, especially late in the season, they do fare off better. And it also says that you had a great season, right? To get that first round bye, you've obviously had to win a, a certain amount of game, in Argos' case, nine games. And it tells me that they took care of business during the season. They earned that bye. And, you know, they're excited. No team, I tell you what, no team, especially this time of year, will ever say no to a week off. So the guys are ready and hungry to get after it. Especially when the paycheck still comes at the end of the week, right? Uh, <laughs> when you talk about this Argos team having that they time. They that week the two-check yeah, I, I, listen, I work with enough former players to know that that, yeah. uh, that check during the bye week is, uh, is definitely a good one. Um, looking at the Argos, they won the last three against the Ticats in the regular season. They dropped the first one in the Labor Day, but then they figured out they won three. So do the Argonauts have the Ticats figured out, do you think? Mm, that's a tough one because, you know, for the Ticats, three losses against the Argos, they're without Brendan Addison and without uh, Don Jackson. And to me, those are the two X factors in this Hamilton Ticat team. And uh, especially Brandon Addison. And to me, he's he's probably the best receiver on the Ticats. Just just uh, talking about the things that he can do. He can line up in the backfield. He can go over the middle, make contested catches. He can run double moves. He can literally do everything you want a receiver to do. And he's tough as nails, right? That's a guy that, you know, for the Ticats, I think kind of is like their engine that gets them going, that slots guys in the right spots, that gives Masoli uh, confidence. And then Don Jackson, I mean, he's an explosive playmaker, right? You put the ball in his hands, you can go for 30, 40, 50 yards at any time. And that's kind of the explosiveness that this Ticats offense was missing uh, when they're they're losing some games because it it was it's tough to dink and dunk down the field, right? And when you're able to get explosive plays like Don Jackson has brought, you know, whether it's catching the ball, screen passes, or running the ball, 
you know, it, it makes life a lot easier for an offensive coordinator and for your quarterback. So I wouldn't say the Argos would figure out them yet because they, they haven't played them lately. And that's going to present a new challenge as Presley, if they run out, Addison does play. Uh, but they're well aware of the challenges that those guys bring. And it's going to be a different game because the Argos have guys that are coming off the injury as well, like Eric Rogers, who was, and Juwan Breskison that they haven't seen, right? So it's going to be an interesting test match. And uh, I'm excited, but I wouldn't say that Argos have figured out uh, the Ticats yet because this is a whole new group coming, especially on the offensive side. You mentioned Eric Rogers and you mentioned X Factor because when I'm looking at this Argos team and, and a guy who can really go off, McLeod Bethel Thompson has got to be excited about the fact that Breskison's back, Eric Rogers is back. I mean, McLeod Bethel Thompson has played in big games before. How does he kind of take that next step and actually kind of win kind of the next big one? Yeah, you know, how he takes the next step is continue to be uh, who he is. Like the last uh, four or five games, I think the Argos have really simplified things for him, uh, you know, using the running backs. I mean, when John White and DJ Foster were healthy, using them in the passing game, having them both in the game and kind of confusing the defenses, uh, short passes, the RPO game was really good to him, right? Quick reads where you're not having to hold the ball for a long period of time and, you know, risk getting sacked or, you know, or, or a turnover. So I think what the thing has happened with McLeod Beth Thompson being in uh, the lineup longer is, is giving Coach Dinwiddie a longer time to figure out, like, the things that he's good at, the thing that he excels at, and being able to put that in play. And I think, you know, this is playoff football time, right? The Argos are leaning on their defense a little bit more. He's understanding that, hey, I don't have to force the ball because we do have uh, a great defense, right? You do have a good running game. I can kind of let, you know, other, not so much a game manager, but just don't feel like the game is all on on him. So that's how he can take the next step. Continue to, you know, live within the game plan, live within the calls and live to play another down, right? You know, it's playoff football. Turnovers are magnified, right? Cannot have those. Uh, trust your playmakers. Like you said, Eric Rogers is back. He not only helps the passing game, like when you're a quarterback and you've got a six foot five guy with long arms, like it gives you comfort because even when he's covered, you still feel comfortable throwing to him because he knows he you know he can make those contested catches. So that's an important factor. And then in the running game, uh, Eric Rogers is one of the best receiving uh, uh, receivers, best blocking receivers out there. Yeah. Uh, he helps in the, in the blocking game and then the screen pass game too. So uh, that's a huge, huge help, especially you know with Jawan Breston back too. Two six foot five guys out there blocking for receiver screens like. Good luck trying to get around those, right? So a uh, huge, huge uh, opportunity for those guys coming back. And, I mean, big bodies, like you said, 6'5". And I mean, you know this specifically in terms of the catch radius and what they're able to do. And and being able to correct for, you know, little mistakes that McLeod Bethel yeah. Thompson makes. And that, how important is that to have guys who have those huge wingspans who can go out and, and you'll make that extra step? Because McLeod Bethel Thompson, like you said, he, he is – you know, I won't say inexperienced. He's been in the league a long time, but he is prone to sometimes overthrow, yeah. get a little anxious. And it seems like having two receivers yeah. like that who can go up and get it just about anywhere will work really well in his favor. Absolutely. It's massive, man. It's, it's massive. Just mentally, too, just knowing that you're throwing the guys that are, are big. But, you know, in a receiving core, you always want guys uh, like a receiving core that's well-versed, right? It's almost you want to build like a basketball team. You want your point guards, your small, little, quick guys. You want, you know, your two guys. Guys can do a little bit of everything. But you want those forwards. Like you see the way the game's going now. You want those forwards, the big guys. 
because those guys, you know, can really change the game when things get murky, things get, you know, tough, things get, you know, hard. You know, they literally can be covered, but just from sheer size, right, still be able to go up and make a big play. Um, you know, you know, I remember playing quarterback in high school and, you know, having taller receivers. When things got tough, I would, I would try to go to those guys, right, because I knew no matter what, they would find a way to make things happen. So from a mental standpoint, that's huge for a guy like McLeod. But Thompson, and, you know, you, you're, like you said, he's played in some big games, but none bigger than this, right? Like he's been in the league a long time. This is probably going to be the biggest game uh, he's going to play, and he's a confident guy. But until you get in a situation uh, like a game like this, the East Final, where you're the guy, uh, you don't know how you're going to react. So having guys like that you can trust, ease the mental burden, will help a tremendous amount. Chris Jones has obviously, you know, put his hands all over this defense. Uh, you know, it's not just his fingerprints. This is Chris Jones's defense. And, and, and to be able to do it without a preseason, six games into a season, in a system that was already in place, I, I know it's Chris Jones. We know his resume, but it's still pretty impressive. How, what have you seen from the defense since Jones has been here? And how have you seen it kind of continue to develop under him? You know what? I think it's been – it was really seamless, a uh, seamless transition because of a lot of guys that the, the Argos had uh, were already in that Chris Jones mold. Like, you think about Chris Edwards, fast, aggressive, big uh, defender. Uh, Dexter McCoyle, tall, rangy, can play multiple spots, good blitzer. Sean Oakman in the middle. Tall, like, think about Giant. Willie Jefferson, tall, long, aggressive. Right? A lot of – Enoch Mwamba, you can go down the list. A lot of the players – that are on this Argos uh, roster, right? We're already in that Chris Jones bowl, so it wasn't it wasn't hard for a hard transition for him to get these guys on board. And the kind of defense Chris Jones plays, it's an aggressive defense, right? Defenders want to be that they're like that by nature. They want to be aggressive. They want to be getting after yeah. the quarterback, right? They want to be sitting back in zone. And you tell the defense, hey, I get to do what I want. I love to do and get after the quarterback, create turnovers, play, create big plays. Where do I sign up, right? So these guys, you know, it's a testament to obviously Chris Jones' style, but, you know, the Argos, you know, front office already having those guys in place that, you know, kind of, you know, play his style. And then it was really a seamless transition. And you see these guys just continue to do what they were doing beforehand. I mean, before Chris Jones got here, this was one of the top defenses in especially stopping the run, right? So they've continued to do that. They've just been a little bit more aggressive. And the guys are happy. I mean, you tell – it's like you tell, like, a bunch of dogs, you know, go attack things. They're, they're happy. That's what they want to <laughs> do, right? And that's basically what he's telling these guys, you know, obviously stay disciplined, uh, but be yourselves and go attack. And he's, uh, he, he's done that really well. And the guys are happy playing that style. So, Nate, obviously this is the fifth time these teams have played each other. And we've seen some bad blood boil over, uh, you know, before – and it's not, it's not, you know, just this season. This is a rivalry. This is a historic rivalry. The Ticats, Argos, there's bad blood and emotions are going to be flying high. How do you control those emotions? Because the last thing you want is a penalty that's going to cost your team, that's going to put you in bad yeah. field position. So what's the messaging and how do you control your, your emotions in a game like this? It's really tough because, you know, you know, with games like this, do or die kind of games, emotions are run really high, especially in football. Emotions run high in general because you got to get up to play this game, right? It's a physical game. But in the game, do or die, right, guys are going 100, literally 100% every single play. Emotions are going to be, you know, 
double what they usually are, right? And I always think about it like this. If, if guys have to stay true to who they are, right? If you're a talker, you're Smalley Lawrence or, you know, the guy you guys made fun of a bunch of times uh, last week, Patrick Levels, just do what you normally do because that's way more authentic. We know we, we, we haven't started talking, right? Just be who you are, who you've always been. Understand that in this game, the guys that talk a lot are going to get you to get out of your gate. They're going to get you to talk. They're going to get you to do something out of character. You can't fall into that trap. And it's so easy to do it because you're feeling a lot more than you've ever felt. But you've got to understand that there's something bigger at play than what you're feeling in that moment. You've almost got to put team above self a lot more in this game. And it's got to be a message that is talked about throughout the week, right? The leaders, veteran leaders, coaches can say it, right? Guys, whatever. Coaches, will, guys will listen to coaches. But it has to be the leaders on the team that that repeat that message over and over and over. And it's got to be practiced, right? Mm-hmm. got to be practiced, especially throughout the game. You know, uh, you see somebody getting out of hand, grab them real quick. Get back to the huddle. Next play. Always think about next play. Next play. Forget that last play. Stay on point. Right. Aggressive guy like on the Argos, Chris Edwards. He loves to get into it. Stay the same way, but just understand there's a line. You get close to it, but don't cross it. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's that's how I approach it. All right. The Argos will be going to the 108th Grey Cup if finish that sentence. There's a lot of things that they need to do. Uh, <laughs> But they need – if Brillen Addison and Don Jackson play, they need to limit those guys. Those guys, to me, are, are very – extremely dangerous players. And they, they – they, the Argos haven't seen them both this, this year. They have to limit them. They have to have a game plan for them because those guys are game breakers. All right, and say it seems like every day I see a text or a, you know, a tweet from Hoagie that says more tickets have been released for this game at BMO Field. More tickets have been released, and uh, it's going to be the best crowd of the season at BMO Field. We know a lot of Ticats fans are going to be there, so how important is it going to be for the Argos to keep that fan, the Argos fans loud and the Ticats fans quiet? It's going to be really important, especially in a game like this when the margins are so thin. These team, te- these two teams know each other really well. Uh, you know, this is the, the fifth matchup of the year, right? So, the, the, you know, it's going to take little things. And the crowd can add that little extra boost the guys need, right, to get over the edge. I know for me personally, whenever there's a big crowd, I'd always want to, you know, be the reason why they, they made noise, be the reason why, you know, they were cheering. And if I did make a play, hearing that boost, just made me want to do more, right? So all these players are going to be feeling that, uh, especially on that defensive side of the ball. Like I said, it's going to be a really tight game, a lot on the line. The crowd can, can be that little extra boost the guys need to get over that hump. Should be a great one. Uh, Nate, enjoy it. Have a great call. And, uh, you know, hopefully – I don't know how to phrase this. Hopefully we won't see you at the Great Cup. But, uh, you know. <laughs> no, I'll be at the Great Cup. All right. Regardless. Okay. Well, we'll see you there regardless. Looking forward yeah. to it. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> All right, Louis. Great talking to you, man. It's been fun. I know you guys call me the enemy, but we've spoken, I think, five times this year. I think we call each other friends now, right? All right. Next next season, we'll, be, we'll rename it Speaking With Our Friend. Uh, yes. But for now, it's Speaking With The Enemy. He's Natea J. I'm Louis B. Uh, make sure to join us on Sunday when we talk with Mike Hogan on a brand new episode of Speaking With The Enemy. Speaking with the Enemy. Dropping twice weekly before every Ticats game. Like and subscribe to get inside the enemy's head.